0: The return to office and embracing of hybrid work culture has certainly begun and with that comes new challenges for transforming enterprise networks. I'm here with Brandon Butler, Research Manager for Enterprise Networking at IDC and we're gonna discuss how IT can translate some of the lessons learned from remote work to supporting in-person and hybrid workers. Stick around. So, Brandon, thank you so much for coming in once again. We've been talking just about annually about the sort of enterprise networking landscape at large, and I want to harken back to that original video that we did in not original, but the one from earlier this year and talk about what has changed since then. So when we last spoke, we were sort of speaking a little bit hypothetically. I think it was in March of 2021 about the return to office and how to support hybrid workers. But in some parts of the world, certainly here in the U.S., that has obviously begun. Here we are in person, which is wonderful. (laughs) So when we first spoke, you introduced this concept of branch of one mm-hmm. the branch of one. Can you quickly go over for me just quick definition what that actually means?
1: Sure. yeah and thanks for having me here, Juliet. It's great to be here so, yeah, Branch of One has been a key area of research for us at IDC. And, and by Branch of One, we mean how do organizations support enterprise class connectivity to remote workers? Sure. And this is something that obviously was born out of the COVID pandemic, where yeah. in early 2020, we saw a huge increase in the number of workers who had to work remotely and it created this challenge of how do organizations really around the globe ensure that those remote workers have good connectivity when they are working uh, either from home or you know wherever they need to work from and so we've seen some really interesting evolutions as we're like almost two years into this yeah. now <laughs> of sort of what are some lessons that organizations have learned for supporting those remote workers and what does the sort of future of work look like and what does the future of connectedness need to look like for uh, enterprises and organizations really all over the globe to yeah, both maintain that enterprise class connectivity for remote workers, but also support workers who may be coming into the office or any other number of places where, where folks go to work nowadays.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that's sort of the million dollar question, which is I would imagine that a lot of enterprises are probably in different stages of adopting or embracing um, remote work or hybrid work or in-person work. I know some people are saying some enterprises are saying everyone has to come back or some enterprises are applying a hybrid model. So what is the what's sort of the general consensus, I guess, among enterprises and where are they in those stages of planning to support in-person workers let's say
1: yeah and we've done a number of studies on this so i can provide some some survey data that that we have and i can tell you We asked uh, U.S. respondents to a survey about how what percent of your workforce is going to be working remotely. Mm -hmm. And so we asked, what did that look like pre-COVID? And it was less less than five percent of workers were working remotely in the in July of 2021. Over the summer, that number had increased to 44 percent. That still feels so low to me. Well, and you think about that there are workers who are working in a number of different places. There's, mm-hmm. uh, even before the pandemic, of there course. were folks who are working in an office. There mm-hmm. were some remote workers. There are also folks who work in things like education centers, like colleges mm-hmm. and universities in warehouses. And then you have what we call field workers, folks, you know, delivery drivers or maintenance workers or outside salespeople who That's are sort point. of work out in the field all the time. So, we, we have thought about sort of that remote work specific portion. Again, that jumped from about 5% up to 44% yeah. in the pandemic. And then we asked in your future, we called it your desired steady state. So, mm-hmm. you know, because no one really knows when post-pandemic will be. So in, in what we call your steady state of the future, what do you expect that level of remote workers to be? And it was about 20%. Wow. So yeah, we're going from 5% up to 44%. And we think that enterprises are going to be supporting about a fifth of their workers working remotely into the future. And that's why some of these branch of one architectures we believe are going to continue to be important into the future too.
0: So when you talk about, I guess, remote work in that way, is that saying, you know, someone is working from home exclusively five days a week or does that account for any sort of hybrid model? Yeah,
1: I think for 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 both. It would it would it would account for folks who are working remotely all the time. But some of these branch of one architectures, the need to support enterprise class uh, connectivity and uh, securely provide that connectivity. Um, yeah, you need to do that for workers who are working remotely all the time or even workers who are working remotely part of the time.
0: Sure. So what stage would you say that enterprises are in of this, you know, like I said in the intro, transformation, right? Sure. Um, and yeah, where is there to go? I guess because my mindset, what I'm thinking is, you know, people have been working from home exclusively in some cases for, um, you know, 44% in July for, I mean, in July 2021, you're, you've got people working remotely over a year. So I would imagine that obviously in that time, IT has learned a lot of lessons. Um, So, Are they ready to apply the lessons? (laughs) What are the lessons? (laughs) Sure.
1: Yeah, no, it's a really interesting time in the networking industry now because we have this branch of one that we talk about in supporting remote workers. We also see a lot of investments in office uh, networking technology as well, which we can talk about. But yeah, in terms of some of the lessons that we've seen learned for these branch of one architectures, I would say that there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to supporting enterprise connectivity for remote workers. You know, some remote workers might just need a higher bandwidth internet connection connection to their Mm -hmm. home. You know, they need some some extra bandwidth to be able to ensure that they have uh, the the right bandwidth to be able to do their jobs. Some organizations have rolled out extra VPN capacity to make sure that Mm -hmm. they have secure connectivity for those remote workers. I would say that in the majority of cases, that has been sort of good enough for a lot of uh, organizations. But I think what we're seeing now, specifically at the end of 2021 and looking forward to next year, is that organizations are thinking about you know, what sort of plans do I want to put in place to sort of codify this um, enterprise enterprise class connectivity to remote workers? Because this isn't going away. Um, I think a lot of organizations are thinking now that, yeah, I am going to have a higher percentage of workers who are going to be working remotely, mm-hmm. you know, into the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. If you think about attracting and retaining talent, um, you know, that's an important part of, right, of being able to work from home. So from that perspective, if you're a, a networking pro within, an organization you need to think about this business my business needs to be able to support these remote workers and so what does that look like so we've seen a number of different networking technologies that organizations can use in in some cases you can deploy a an access point to a remote worker so that would give them a wi-fi network that's the same wi-fi network that they would have when they're in the office sure Um, And that has a number of security advantages to it. It, it It's a different Wi-Fi network than, you know, what your kids are streaming Netflix on, for example. And so that that gives some advantages. And we've seen that for um, uh, what I would call sort of knowledge workers, workers who are using Internet connections, you know, for their day to day tasks within for their jobs. I would say there's another class of workers um, uh, you can think of, like call center workers who like need enterprise class connectivity all the time because it's it's really critical for their jobs. Or executives, maybe um, in healthcare, some remote uh, doctors um, in finance, some remote traders. Mm-hmm. These are types of jobs where you want an even higher level of connectivity. And you maybe want some security. Yeah, absolutely. You want well. security. Right. And so that's where we're seeing some technologies like SD-WAN gateways mm-hmm. um, uh, being uh, deployed, uh, even some uh, cellular uh, backup connectivity. So you're not just relying on that broadband connectivity, but you have a cellular uh, backup, either LTE or in the future 5G. Mm-hmm. Um and then maybe some security components that are delivered as well, maybe a, a next generation firewall or some sort of hardened security device. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important for folks to think about these sort of different classes of the remote workers that they have and what sort of solutions would be important for, you know, those specific types of 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 uh, workers. And. Um, and yeah, I would just say that this is something that, that folks should think about, mm-hmm. you know, going forward, because this issue, it's it's not going away, it's, right? Yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> this, yeah.
1: This is the new normal that we're in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, who hasn't stopped talking about the new normal? Right. <laughs> so one quick question for you is, I mean, you obviously mentioned, you know, a number of new um, enterprise networking technology that networking pros can implement. What sort of things or what, if any, of these technologies are carried over from Let's say July of 2021.
1: Sure. Yeah. No. And we've seen a number of them. I would say, you know, last year in in 2020. There were a lot of Band-Aid solutions that were sort of put in
0: Yeah, Uh,
1: organizations because you had that huge increase from 5% up to almost half of your workers working remotely. You had to put in some some, uh, solutions pretty quickly here. Mm -hmm. And so now I think we're at a point where folks are thinking about, you know, what does my long-term plan need to be for supporting these remote workers? You know, maybe I do need to – uh, you know, put out and and deliver some access points to uh, to provide Wi-Fi for some workers. Sure. Maybe for some of my workers, I do need a, a more hardened SD-WAN gateway to be able to provide direct access to cloud-based applications. So yeah, I think we are starting to see these um, uh, sort of more fortified plans in place for supporting these remote workers. But then at the same time, we're also seeing a number of investments in uh, networking technology for the office spaces as well, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're going to start to see more folks come yeah, back course. to the office as well. So it's really an interesting time in, in networking when you think about supporting those remote workers, while at the same time, there are a number of new technologies for those in-office workers as well.
0: Yeah, and maybe sort of leaving whatever those band-aid solutions, like you said, or imperfect solutions that IT was, I mean, I'm sh- it was very important, obviously, to put these solutions into place, when everyone first had to work from home, but making something that's a little bit more calculated, perhaps and a little bit more intentional.
1: Um, yeah, and something that can last for the next, you know, three to five years. If this yeah. is something that your organization is going to be supporting into that's the a future, great point. Then you want something that is that you're, you've actually thought about in a in a sort of thoughtful way of putting into place that will work for your organization into the future. I think now is a good time to start thinking about those.
0: And before we move on, I do want to talk briefly, I mean, you did mention um, a lot of sort of solutions that include um, security and making sure that everyone has secure connections. But I want to talk a little bit about SASE. So what sort of have there really been any learnings around that, that people, that IT can take to back to HQ, back to their satellite offices? Sure.
1: Yeah, SASE has been a really interesting trend that we've been watching at at IDC as well. And the way that I think about SASE is really shifting where that security is hosted, whether it's on-premises or into the cloud. And we think about when you're using network-based security solutions and they're hosted in the cloud, that's how we think about the secure access service edge or SASE. Mm I think remote work has really been a catalyst for thinking about some of these sassy type architectures, sure. where you have remote workers who are going to be um, uh, connecting directly into a cloud-based uh, security platform, sure. like a, um, a cloud access security broker or a secure web gateway. Mm-hmm. You have those remote workers connect directly into that cloud-based security platform, and then their traffic gets routed to wherever it, it needs to go, you know, maybe a cloud-based application or uh, a UC platform. Um, and so that's different than if you have a security that's hosted in your data center or back to a corporate office. Mm-hmm. If you have to route that traffic from a remote worker back to a data center and then it's going to the cloud, yeah. that's just adding extra hops in there. Totally. Right? And so this idea of SASE is sort of shifting that security plane to be hosted in the cloud to be able to provide more direct connections for where the, the enterprise traffic needs to get to. And so we've seen SASE be a, a really important evolution in the Market. Um, we've seen it bundled with uh, technologies like SD WAN that allow organizations to be able to um, uh, co-manage multiple connection types. So you can use broadband with cellular, for example, and have that traffic go n- directly to a, a SASE uh, cloud-based security platform. So yeah, it's it's really interesting architectures that we're seeing um, uh, that organizations are thinking about. You know, from the pandemic, it sort of started this. Yeah. But some of these ideas are are making sense for long-term plans as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I mean, being able to support remote workers is, I mean, certainly convenient and certainly in the best interest of security. But also, if you're looking to, you know, if it's a great it's a great pull for talent because it is such a huge perk. So I would imagine that it's something that IT and the business in general wants to be investing in.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, if, if you are looking to attract and retain talent in yeah. the future, then I think having options for being able to support remote workers is going to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And so if that's a priority for your business, then the networking team should think about totally. you know, what do I need to do from a networking perspective to ensure secure connectivity for those remote workers into the future?
0: Sure. And I mean, obviously, we are, we've we been talking about network, networking quite a bit. And I believe earlier this year, you introduced this concept, network as a service or networking as a service. Yes. And it, then it was certainly very much in its infancy, it seemed. And I mean, I think it's really easy to to, to hype up a perhaps buzzy word. So I would like to maybe examine, examine the hype, but also want to learn about you know what is the status now and how does it tie in with the branch of one
1: sure yeah so network as a service is a really interesting evolution that we've seen in the market in terms of how organizations can buy networking equipment that Mm -hmm. they're using either for remote workers or in their offices And so if you think about it, it's sort of a subscription OPEX model for buying network infrastructure equipment, whether that be uh, uh, access points or switches or SD-WAN gateways and routers. Sort of the traditional way that this type of equipment has been bought is Mm -hmm. a capital expense. So you you buy it for a certain price, you hold on to it for four or five years, maybe longer. And then at the end of that life, you get rid of the equipment and you buy a new one. Mm-hmm. So this idea of network as a service is, it, it's sort of taken from the what we've seen in the cloud with infrastructure as a service and software as a service, where you sort of buy a subscription to these network infrastructure components. Mm-hmm. So if, if you need an access point to provide Wi-Fi in your office, for example, you can get that as a subscription. And you don't have to own that equipment. You don't have to maintain that equipment. The the network as a service uh, provider, the vendor, is gonna do that day-to-day management for you. And so this is can be really powerful for organizations, because if you think about what an IT team, what you want your IT resources to be focused on, do you want your IT resources to be focused on the day to day management of your Wi-Fi environment and Mm -hmm. making sure that, you know, the 2.4 and 5 gig channels are are optimized for each Wi-Fi access point? Or do you want to make sure that your IT team is focusing on things that are really important for your organization? Figuring out a branch of one strategy, figuring out that the, the various lines of business within your organization, you know what they need from, from the IT department. And so this, this NAS model really allows organizations to be able to outsource in a way some of the day-to-day management of their network, which then frees up their IT teams to focus on more important things. And so you're right, we just saw Saw Nas models really come about early this year and, mm-hmm. and last year sure and now we're starting to see some some proof of concept trials being deployed for network as a service we're starting to see some uh, new models uh come about uh, for how these uh, models are going to be priced and and what are the sort of metrics that are uh, going to be used to uh, for paying for these network as a service models so it's it's still a really interesting time and we've seen a number of vendors come forward and offer these network as as a service type models. Um, Aruba, uh, which is part of HPE with their uh, GreenLake offering is is bringing this. Cisco made a big announcement called Cisco Plus uh, that's focused on SD-WAN and SASE being delivered in an as a service model. Okay, So we expect that these as a service models are going to become uh, increasingly important into next year. And we expect more uh, organizations are going to be looking at them.
0: It's a really interesting point that you make that it's it can be helpful for simplifying uh, network management. And I think you do make a good point that it, it it allows there to be more free time for IT if there's something perhaps more pressing.
1: Right, yeah. It's sort of the idea of what's important for your IT team to be focusing on. Um, sure. And uh, for some organizations, it may be optimizing that network for your use cases. Mm-hmm. But for other organizations, there may be an ability to outsource some of that day-to-day management sure. to a NAS provider. Okay. Um. You know, whether it be the OEM directly the cisco's the arubas of the world or a telco provider maybe that you would be working with there are a number of different providers that we're going to see offering these enterprise Mm -hmm. nas models and i think another key point for nas is that it allows you to gain access to some of the cool new features that we see in enterprise networking today Mm -hmm. you know we there's a lot of talk about automation and ml and ai and, and applying those types of models to the network management And that can be difficult for for organizations to really apply in a hands-on way themselves. So a NAS model where you're able to outsource some of that day-to-day management to a a provider, Mm -hmm. they're able to leverage some of these cool new automation techniques, being being able to apply ml and AI technologies to to managing that network they may be in a better position to be able to implement some of that so your organization gets the benefit of some of these cool new networking technologies without having to devote the the resources within your it team to be able to uh to deploy them yourselves
0: I would wonder though what is what's sort of the protocol among vendors for upgrades like let's or let's say you know you test it out and you're like this is not really working for me it doesn't meet my needs how is it is it sort of an easy thing to you know pack it all up and send it away
1: sure yeah and so th- this is going to be one of the the things that we're going to see how these network as a service models do come about mm-hmm. for example yeah what is the upgrade cycle for it because one yeah. of the benefits of nas could be that i want to be able to have access to the latest and greatest technology you know, we see Wi-Fi 6 and we see Wi-Fi 6E, for example, coming sure. out early next year. So if I'm getting my network equipment as a service, then I want to have access to the latest technology that that's coming out. Yeah, of course. And so, yeah, that's, that's one of the benefits that these NAS models can bring is that it can allow you to be able to upgrade to the latest um, uh, infrastructure and the latest uh, offerings from the NAS providers. And, you know, that could work on the software side, too, if you want to add, for example, like a location-based services um, to be able to do uh, asset tracking or wayfinding through through your Wi-Fi environment. You you should that should be an easier thing than uh, a long um, process for setting that up. I think one of the other ideas of NAS is that there's this centralized cloud-based platform where you mm-hmm. can log in and say, "I want to add location-based services to my environment," okay. and then within a, a short amount of time, you know, whether it be days or a couple of weeks, or maybe even hours in some cases, that um, feature is is implemented within your your organization. So it's it's sort of this cloud-like agility that we've seen okay. from the public cloud and being apl- looking to apply that to some of the networking environments that we've seen. That's sort of the promise, the future promise of what NAS could be. Mm-hmm. Um and again, we're in the early stages here, but I'm I I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this market continues to evolve.
0: Yeah, that's that is um an interesting point because I wouldn't, it seems like there there still needs to be a fair amount of education in the market and figuring out. And so enterprises actually know and can decide, you know, is this right for me? But this, it's still something that, you know, it's requiring a little bit of hardware. So we got to move on to pretty much the million dollar question, which is this, all of these plans sound great. And perhaps if maybe one of these What if one of these solutions sounds great for your enterprise? You might be thinking, Oh, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to jump on that. But I'm sure you also know that there has been a lot of supply chain disruption, chip shortage, and I would certainly think because it's been affecting everything that the supply chain shortages and disruptions can really put hinder these plans. So, I guess I'm wondering, like, what what does that, what does it look like right now? How mm. is, how is the supply, how are supply chain disruptions affecting the, you know, enterprising and networking plans? Yeah,
1: it's, it's a really challenging environment unfortunately Certainly. <laughs> right now. And yeah, sort of the point of it is that organizations can't get access to the infrastructure that they're looking to deploy, right? Yeah. So if you want to deploy a new access point or a new switch or a, a new router, sometimes you can't get that. I mean in you know, in the past, maybe there was a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months that it would take to be able to, once you order it, you know, having it actually deployed. Now those lead times are increasing to multiple months, you know, six months, maybe up to a year. You know, this is a challenge for for organizations and it's, it's one that we've seen really develop over the last six months or so. And unfortunately we're hearing from the networking vendors that this is gonna uh, remain into next year as well. And I know you've had some, some other experts at IDC yes. on talking about the, ch- the chip shortages, mm-hmm. but it's it's not just chips. It's a number of different components. Um, and it's not just in networking. You know, we're seeing this no. in compute and storage as well. Mm-hmm. Even in industries outside of, of tech, we've seen this. Oh, absolutely.
0: It's everywhere. <laughs> it's
1: everywhere. And so, yeah, from a networking perspective, um, so what we've encouraged folks to do is increase that communication with your vendor, right? If you have a need for a uh, a piece of equipment um, a new access point uh, I- any sort of uh, infrastructure you know let your let your provider know that you need it and they're really working as as hard as they can to optimize mm-hmm. their supply chains to be able to uh, use alt- alternate components to be able to get some of these um, infrastructure components out into the field as fast as possible but yeah i would i would say expect much longer wait times for a number of these components um, and the products that that, that they're going to be built with mm-hmm. into the future. Yeah, I would expect that this is going to be remaining with us through likely the first half of next year and maybe even longer.
0: What sort of compromise or, I, yeah, I think compromise is the word that I'm looking mm-hmm. for here, should IT be expecting to make with, I mean, certainly with their vendors because there's going to be longer wait times, but also with their employees or with um there are executives who are expecting, you know, X, Y, Z mm. technology to roll out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think it's going to be important to have those conversations with your suppliers to make sure that they know what are the uh, specific products that you need sure. in, you know, in a fast, uh, fast way. Um, because there's going to be, um, you know, shortages, uh, among a number of, of products and, you yes. know, some products are going to be, um, uh, you know, uh, more quickly available than others. And that's going to depend vendor to vendor, what that looks like. Um, and, and so I think it's going to be important for folks to just sort of uh, extend that planning cycle for when they're expecting um, uh, products that they need to, to be able to come into place um, and and you know when when they could um, actually get access to them next year. So, you know, we we've seen the um, a number of the markets that we track are, are are growing quite nicely now. So it's it's not like there are not any products available. It's really that um, there's a disconnect between the number of products that have been ordered and the number that and that yeah, vendors are able to deliver <laughs> yeah. right now. And so there's that that sort of mismatch. I think it's just going to take uh, a number of quarters to work itself out.
0: Sure. So communication is the name of the game. Just set your expectations accordingly, because. It's going to be a wait. I think so. <laughs> well, that's great, Brandon. Thank you so much. I think that there's a lot of really good insights here and certainly a lot of variety of um, networking technologies and frameworks, et cetera, that IT can deploy if it seems like it's the right fit for their enterprise. So thank you so much. I think a lot of good info. I really appreciate it.
1: Great. Thanks for having me.
0: And also thank you very much for the free plug about our chip shortage videos. I will link our most recent one in the description. It gives a really nice outline if you're looking to learn a little bit more about supply chain disruption and the chip shortage so if you're watching this you can also check out that video if that's something you're also interested in otherwise thank you so much for watching this episode of today in tech if you like this video please give it a thumbs up and you can also subscribe to our channel and hit the bell icon so you're notified every single time we post a new video if you have any questions or comments that we maybe didn't answer please do let us know in the comments below and i will do my best to get back to you thanks again and we'll see you next time